Since the beginning of August, I've been preaching through the book of Romans, and we are steadily moving through this New Testament letter, but we remain in this lengthy section on God's judgment of our sin. And if you'd like to take a fun imaginative journey with me, if the pulpit in a church were a jukebox, and each Sunday you could come up and like, I want that one. I imagine the section on God's judgment in the jukebox would collect a lot of dust. Like, we would not sign up like, you know what we're looking for today? Judgment. And we're not signing up for that. And yet, we have it in the Word. We hear the words of God about judgment. We heard the New Testament reading of Jesus' words of coming judgment and the severity of sin. And so we turn this week to this section, our next section in the book of Romans, and it deals with the sin of hypocrisy. And I would imagine, again, hypocrisy is not one that we are searching the jukebox for that we might play, I want to hear about hypocrisy. And yet, it is sadly an issue that has plagued the church for centuries. Got it. Okay. And so we're going to turn this morning to Romans chapter 2, verses 17 through 24. As we hear God's word speaking to us about the dangers of hypocrisy. Romans chapter 2, beginning in verse 17. You're welcome to look in your bulletin or open the Bibles as we've been studying through Romans. Let's hear the word of God today. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will, And approve what is excellent, because you are instructed from the law. And if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then, who teach others, do you not teach Yourself. While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Amen. Let us pray. Oh Lord God, we thank You for Your Word. Even when Your Word is a sharp rebuke against those who would consider themselves moral and religious and knowing right from wrong. Lord, as we hear this passage and the strong language used against those who were Jews or Jewish Christians and in light of attacks in recent weeks, we remember that there is nothing inherently wrong with them. In fact, we are no better, that we are just as easily guilty of hypocrisy. And so we pray, Lord, that in this sermon you would give us ears to hear first and foremost for ourselves. Speak to us, O God. Lord, use me in spite of my own sin my own inconsistencies, my own guilt of hypocrisy to faithfully and clearly preach Your Word and Spirit work through the power of Your Word and answer to our prayers to transform us, to show us the truth 
to give us sight to see what we are blind to in our own sins, that we might glorify you with our words and with our deeds. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're thinking about hypocrisy this morning, and so just a very simple kind of where we are going. We are going to consider where does hypocrisy come from? What exactly is it? What does it produce? And then finally, how to get rid of it. So it's a kind of weed. Where does it come from? How do you identify it? What does it produce in your garden? And then how do you get it out of that garden? So we're going to start by asking, where does hypocrisy come from? Well, it actually comes from a good place. We can see this in verses 17 through 20. Paul is primarily writing to Jewish Christians who prided themselves on possessing God's law. That they knew how they were supposed to live. And all of these things that the Jews were proud of were good things to have. They were not wrong to be thankful for these unique blessings that they had by virtue of their Jewish heritage. You can think about Jeremiah chapter 9. It tells God's people, boast in God. Paul writes, you who boast in God. In Isaiah chapter 42, God tells Israel to be like his servant who will guide the blind and be a light to those who are in darkness. And he's like, hey, you, uh, you think that about yourselves. So Paul is showing that all of this is possible because they had the law, the embodiment of knowledge and truth. And so having the law is undoubtedly a good thing. But this good thing had gone bad. Not that the law itself had gone bad, but how the Jews were using the law went bad. And Paul gives us insight into his criticism in verse 17, where he writes, they rely on the law. The Jews had come to trust that their possession of the law kept them safe from God's judgment. But even though possession of the law is a blessing, it is no guarantee of safety from God's judgment. And so their problem was they had reliance without compliance. They relied on a law, but they did not obey that law. They were proud of this divine moral code entrusted to them, but their pride of possession did not lead to a pride of obedience. They thought that their unique divine knowledge made them righteous even as they disobeyed the very commands they were proud to possess. To make matters worse, these Jewish Christians proudly considered themselves experts and teachers in God's divine law. And so the sharpest rebuke that this passage has to offer is to those who consider themselves teachers but fail to follow their own teaching. Paul is writing about people who do not practice what they preach. I thought this morning about just setting like a mirror right here so I could preach to myself. I just, I thought I would knock it over. And so we're not going to just imagine that there is a mirror right here. Because teachers may have good knowledge and wisdom, but if they rely on only knowledge and wisdom without following what they know to be right, they're hypocrites. 
That is what Jesus said in our New Testament reading in incredibly sharp words. He said, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so practice and observe whatever they tell you, but not what they do, for they preach but do not practice. Notice he's saying, listen to what they teach. They, they have a good gift in the law. And when they teach it correctly, that's a good thing. You should listen to it. But don't follow their example. Because they are not practicing what they preach. And so we have Paul's words here. And they are originally addressed to Jews and Jewish Christians. But we, who have grown up in the church, should heed these words today. That if we have grown up in a Christian home, if we have grown up attending church and being taught what is right from the Bible, then we must see that we have a great blessing. But it is not a blessing to rely on mere knowledge. Do you realize we have even more knowledge than they did? We have the Old and the New Testament. We have the full story of Jesus. And so people who have grown up in the church today should not take pride in mere knowledge of God's commands with just familiarity with His Word. We must rightly respond to what we know to be right from the Word of God. And if we do not, we will find ourselves guilty of the sin of hypocrisy. So what is hypocrisy? And how do we see it in the church today? We need a a clear definition this morning because some of us are going to hear these words from Romans and think, well, I shouldn't be a teacher because I don't obey God's word well enough. Now, I want to say that's an admirable acknowledgement of your sin. It's a good attitude of self-reflection and examination. But we need to be clear on what hypocrisy is and isn't because there is a kind of moral hypo- moral inconsistency that is hypocrisy but not all inconsistency is hypocrisy now i've i've written out definitions for you in the sermon outline in your bulletin so i'm going to read them but i wanted you to have them so we're clear on language so hypocrisy is not occasional undesired confessed inconsistency. Hypocrisy is a pattern of continued, unacknowledged, uncorrected inconsistency. There's a distinction there that we need to get right. So what does this difference look like? How are these, how is inconsistency not always hypocrisy? Okay, first, the frequency will look different. Hypocrisy is not merely occasional inconsistency, but a pattern of continued inconsistency. Because everyone is occasionally inconsistent. None of us can keep a law perfectly. Like, we all occasionally mess up. But hypocrisy solidifies these sins into patterns that get worse rather than get better. And so there's an issue of frequency. With hypocrisy, there also is not a desire to fix the inconsistency. Hypocrisy develops sinful patterns, and they can be unknown, so we just don't recognize them. They could be ignored, 
We don't want to look at them. Or they can be accepted. Yeah, that's what I do. But if we see our own inconsistency and we're like, man, that's bad. I need God to fix that in me. That's not hypocrisy. That is seeing our own weakness. It is seeing our spiritual maturity. And it is recognizing, man, God, you got some work to do in me. Can you help me? Because I need to grow in godliness and I'm not living how I should be living. That's not hypocrisy. That's Christian growth. Hypocrisy is when we are not looking to fix the sins that have established into patterns in our lives. And so hypocrisy is not looking for forgiveness. It is not looking for help. It wants the sinful inconsistency to remain hidden. Hidden from others. Hidden from God. It lets sin fall into a settled pattern that we don't want to disturb. But if we are sinfully inconsistent and we are struggling against it, it is not hypocrisy. If there is a struggle and like, man, these weeds of inconsistency keep growing in my life and I feel like I'm pulling them up week after week and they just keep going back. Well, that again is growth. We are trying to struggle against our sinful inconsistency. We are bringing those sins before God and saying, God, help me get my garden of my heart clear of inconsistency, please. And so there is a difference between hypocrisy and just the inconsistency of life as sinful Christians. Let me use a sensitive but helpful example. If a believer is regularly tempted to view pornography, then how they view that temptation helps them determine whether or not it's hypocritical. If they occasionally struggle with that sin, if they hate that this is something they're trying to get rid of and yet it keeps popping up, and if they are confessing that sin to God and perhaps even others, then that person is a sinner struggling against the flesh and not a hypocrite. But a professed believer who continues to use pornography without any desire to correct that behavior, without any want to confess it as a sin, then they are acting hypocritical of what they know to be true, knowing that their behavior is a sin, but they are not seeking to align their practice with what they would tell others is right and wrong. So I want to clearly define for us what hypocrisy is because I don't want all of us leaving here thinking, man, I guess we're all just hypocrites, aren't we? Like we're all totally guilty and we're absolutely hypocrites. I do not believe it is fair to say that the church is full of hypocrites. Every church is filled with inconsistent believers who should be acknowledging their sinful inconsistency and striving by God's grace to grow in conformity to His commands. So if that's you, I don't want you leaving thinking this whole struggle that I'm going through makes me a hypocrite. It makes you inconsistent, but it doesn't necessarily make you a hypocrite. Having made that distinction, though, we got to at least ask the question. Are there areas of my life that don't fit that non-hypocritical inconsistency? Are there areas where 
there's genuine hypocrisy in my life. And we need to ask that question because most people are blind to their own hypocrisy. They're assured that I'm not like that. In verse 19, Paul says, you are sure you are these things. There's a kind of self-confidence in hypocrites that they are in the right even though their behavior is wrong. They refuse to see their inconsistency. And when they refuse to see that hypocrisy, the results are disastrous. Not just for them, but for the church as a whole. And so this gets to the issue of what does hypocrisy produce? And we see that Paul addresses that in verses 23 and 24. He writes this, You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Hypocrisy is and should be disgusting to us. And when we see hypocrisy in our world, we rightly respond by, it's gross, it's awful, it's repulsive to us. And I'm sure you could think of examples. I'm going to give you a few. I want you to think about the cyclist, Lance Armstrong, who bravely fought cancer and adamantly insisted he was a man of integrity and never doped in any of his races. And then years later, after his seven consecutive titles in the Tour de France, it was discovered, hey, that guy that kept telling us how proud he was he didn't cheat, he cheated all the time. And rightly, he was condemned for that. We see someone who claims to be something, and he was not that thing. That's awful hypocrisy, and we are right to see that as a bad thing. Perhaps more recently, if you're not into cycling, I guess, you know, you can think about political leaders who issued executive orders about COVID protections like masking and social distancing and rules prohibiting large gatherings. And then these same leaders are photographed breaking all of these rules that we were told were so essential. And many citizens rightly felt betrayed and angry at their hypocritical leaders. You are not practicing what you are preaching. We see that hypocrisy and it infuriates us. And yet as bad as hypocrisy is in sports and in politics, there is no hypocrisy as bad as that which is in the church. It is the worst kind. You can consider the scandal in the Roman Catholic Church or perhaps outside of the Roman Catholic Church in a more evangelical context, consider the late Ravi Zacharias who was a well-known Christian speaker and author who presented himself as a godly man who knew the truth. He engaged regularly with skeptics and atheists arguing for why Christianity was true. And just months after his death, it was discovered that for years he had an established pattern of engaging in sexually inappropriate relationships with women, taking advantage of them and being a totally different person behind the scenes than he was up front. It's awful. Such hypocrisy from professing Christians rightly makes the world think less of Christians and therefore think less of our God. And that is exactly what Paul is writing about. 
that the world will blaspheme the name of Jesus because of the hypocrisy of those who claim to follow Him but do not practice what they preach. See, God is dishonored by any disobedience, but He is especially dishonored when His people persist in blatant hypocrisy. And I hate to tell you, it gets worse. Like, we haven't hit the bottom. Because it's not just that these examples are really bad in themselves. It's not just that it's especially repulsive. It's also especially prevalent. If you went door to door in the United States of America and asked one question, have you ever had a bad experience with a Christian or church that you found hypocritical? I would imagine that you would get a lot of answers. A lot of true answers. It is a common problem that causes uncommon damage to the reputation of God and to His church. So what hope is there? What hope is there for Christians if hypocrisy is a sin that is hard to see in yourself, if it is something that is sadly prevalent in the world, and when it exists, it does untold damage, how can we be sure that we are not hypocrites ourselves? Well, the first step we need to take is instead of seeing ourselves as those who proudly possess what is right and teach what is right, that we must humble ourselves before what we teach and let God teach us. We must recognize that we do not stand on the same level as the law, that we are under the law that we know to be right. And we must admit that it is possible that we are blind. And we need the Lord to give us eyes to see where our practices fail to line up with our beliefs. And we've got to do this by turning to Jesus. I mentioned earlier Isaiah chapter 42. In that passage, Isaiah speaks of God's servant who will be a guide to the blind. And the New Testament quotes this chapter on a number of occasions pointing that Jesus is the true servant of God who gives sight to the blind both physically and spiritually. That Jesus can unmask our hypocrisy. And when He does it, it is not to shame us and put us on headline news and say, look at these bad hypocritical Christians. He does it to save us from bringing further shame to God's name. And Jesus helps us by His Spirit working through the Word and holding it up like a mirror to ourselves. The Spirit teaches us what God requires in His Word and helps us look at ourselves in the mirror of the Word and see, do I line up with this or not? The Spirit humbles us by showing us the high standard of the law so we can never rest assured that we're doing everything perfectly. There's always some sin and we need to come back to the Lord. Please show me where I'm inconsistent. Help me. I do not want to be seen as a hypocrite. I don't want to bring shame to your name. And the good news is that Jesus forgives all of our sins. When you go to Jesus with your inconsistency, with the hypocrisy that's been revealed to you, Jesus forgives you. 
You see, many of the examples of hypocrites in our world, they get cast out. Jesus does not cast us out. When we confess, He brings us in and He cleanses us and transforms us by God's grace. And so what we need to do is use the Word as a mirror. And I want to start that this morning by asking you some questions in the spirit of what Paul asks in verses 21 and 22. And again, let me say, there is a mirror right here that as the lead preacher of this church, if I'm doing the most preaching, I better make sure I'm doing the practicing as well. But as people who know the Word, we all need to ask ourselves these questions. You who teach about loving your enemies, do you love your enemies? Especially those of a different political persuasion than you. You who know how important it is to share the gospel with the lost. Do you share the gospel with the lost? You who believe you should raise your children to know the Lord. Are you actively seeking to bring them up in the Lord? You who teach about Christ's forgiveness. Do you forgive those who have sinned against you? You who teach that people should give to the poor. Do you give to the poor? You who believe that people should read their Bible daily, do you apply what you are reading to yourself? You who profess to put God first in your life, what evidence is there that you put God first? I ask none of these questions to shame you, but to prevent the name of our Lord Jesus from being shamed by our hypocrisy. I ask them of you and of myself, praying for the Spirit to give us eyes to see, for us to have the humility and teachable spirit that we would let the Lord say, this is our growth area. We need to bring this in line. And we can do that because we have full confidence in a Savior who can forgive our hypocrisy and renew us by the Spirit so that we do start to more practice what we preach. So may we humbly hold up the mirror of God's Word to ourselves so that we might be better mirrors of the glory of God for the world to see. Let us pray. Father, there are many texts in Scripture that humble us. And this is certainly near the top of the list for anyone who does teaching and preaching. And so, Lord, give us eyes to see. Surround us with loving brothers and sisters in Christ who can carefully show us where we are out of line. Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear our own teaching and the teaching of your word. And we pray, Lord, that this would not discourage people from being teachers entirely, but rather would make us want to be so well taught that we then want to share it with others. Lord, may we be able to live out what we share with others. Lord, may Jesus be our hope to fight against our own hypocrisy. It's in his name we pray. Amen.